When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby, joined by Mary Kay Cabot. This is the Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Our football insider subscribers giving us questions. Uh, they texted them to us. So let's get started here, Mary Kay. Our very first question comes from Clara in Iowa. Now, I want to just tell a quick story about Clara here because she texted me during our pregame. We do a pregame chat with our texters. And she texted me before the Finns game, to, and she said that she is a Browns fan. Her husband is a Dolphins fan, and she was asking for uh, advice to maintain marital bliss with whoever won or lost. I don't know what Clara and her husband figured out, but I guess uh, life has been pretty miserable for her, judging by her text yesterday to us when we did our pregame Q and A. So, Clara, we're thinking about you uh, getting that trash talk from your Dolphins uh, from your husband who is a Dolphins fan. So Clara, you get to go first here, starting us off on the Hey MK podcast. Hey Mary Kay, it appears this season is lost as far as the playoffs. What should be the focus of the team for the rest of the season? What do they want to evaluate prior to the offseason? Now David and Joku would disagree that this season is over as far as the playoffs are concerned. And certainly Mary Kay, they are not mathematically eliminated, but it's a it's an uphill climb. So to Clara's point, if we're not watching for the playoffs what should we be watching for? Well, you are so right about that, Dan. Did I get some pushback from <laughs> David today or what? Right? I had to repeat my question. I had a tone. Um, <laughs> but I did not bother to to mention to David that their chances of making the playoffs right now are 2%. I mean, why point that out on a day like today when everybody's trying to find a little bit of hope? Um, so, yes, they do have the tiniest little sliver of a chance if they can win out. Um, But in the event that they accept the fact that perhaps it is over, I think the last six games, uh, first and foremost, will be all about evaluating Deshaun Watson and getting him acclimated to his new team. And it might take six games to figure that out. It might take six full games uh, to determine what else does he need on on this offense? Does he need some more receivers? Do they need to look at some spots on their offensive line? Uh, you know, I I really think that it's going to be all about what can they do to make this team better for next year so that they can hit the ground running. And not only that, on the other side of the ball, they have to figure out how to stop the run for sure. And they've left themselves short the past couple of years in the defensive tackle department, and in some cases, the linebacker department. Now, there have been injuries there that haven't helped at linebacker, uh, but I think they're going to have to really address that situation and make sure that they have what they need to stop the run because they can't do that very well right now. So I think those are the biggest things. I think that, you know, 
I think that they feel pretty good about what they have in the back end in terms of uh, their secondary. You know, they're they're in decent shape. I mean, you can never have too many good corners and safeties. Uh, so they'll have to look at that as well. I think they're going to have to look at the defensive end spot uh, in in the event that Jadavian Clowney doesn't come back. And now he wants to play with Deshaun Watson, so maybe he will want to come back. But you know, they've got to figure out the money and all that kind of stuff too. Uh, so these are some of the things that they will be looking at. But as Miles Garrett observed yesterday, they cannot waste. They cannot waste another season with all of these players in the prime of their career. I mean, think about this. Miles Garrett will be heading into his seventh season next year. Same thing with David Njoku, seventh season. Sixth for Denzel Ward, right? I mean, these guys are are getting up there a little bit in football years, and they've got to be able to hit the ground running right from the start next year. I, I thought it was interesting Miles said that uh, because that's something we've talked about on this pod, actually. Maybe he's a listener to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. All these guys, I mean, you mentioned those guys, but like you can even go deeper than that. Uh, you know, Joel Batonio is mm-hmm. in his 30s now, and that's a guy who I don't know if he's, I don't know if he's going to get Hall of Fame consideration when he eventually retires, but he's certainly a guy who's played at that caliber um, over the over the years here. Wyatt Teller isn't, you know, he's in his mid twenties, upper twenties, you know, you're talking about core players, you know, Nick Chubb, Mm -hmm. how long do, how long do running backs last? You, you've kind of wasted your Kareem Hunt years here already. Like, Mm -hmm. yep. You you can go down the list of, of players who are good, pretty good pro bowlers, all pros. And you're going on now, you know, even if you want to go all the way back to 2019, you're going on three out of the last four years. You, you've kind of thrown them away. Yeah, think about this. Think about this, Dan. This is an important thing to ponder. They had the number one overall pick in 2017. They had the number one overall pick in 2018. And they got one playoff berth out of that. And let's be honest, they're not going to the playoffs this year, Right. Are you willing to say that? Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm. Of course, I'm willing to say that. No, they're. <laughs> I, I mean, look, just just to frame it real quickly, they're four games back of the Ravens, yeah. and three back of the Bengals. And when you look at the wild card standings, they don't hold a single tiebreaker, with the exception of the head to head over the Bengals. Some of that can change with the their conference record. They can maybe pass a Las Vegas or somebody like that, but they've lost a bunch of head to heads and and their conference record doesn't helping them at the teams that they haven't played. But anyway, back back to your other point. Yeah. I mean, they would have to win all seven games. They'd have to win all seven games, I think, uh, to still have any, any kind of a chance. So, you know, the, the odds of that happening right now, it's about 2%, 2% chance of going to the playoffs, as we mentioned before. Um, so, and what was the original question again? Because now I got myself off on a tangent and I forgot. It was, it was, what should we watch for over these final six games? And then we were talking a little bit about kind of the wasted years of, of guys in their oh, primes. Yes. The wasted years of guys in their primes. So they went, they had the number one overall pick in 2017 and the number one overall pick in 2018. And they've gotten one playoff berth out of it. One. Miles Garrett a generational, supposedly generational talent at defensive end. And they've had one playoff campaign with him in that spot. That's not enough. 
I mean, that is not enough. When you have talent like that and you invest that kind of money, I mean, think about that. This is another thing. There's a lot of money going to these guys. This is not just draft capital. We are talking multi, multi, multi millions. And when you get to next year, a lot of these guys are going to be, you know, making the the bulk of their extensions. So you're talking about $20 million a year for Denzel Ward. You're talking about $25 million a year for Miles Garrett. You're talking about $46 million a year. Think about the staggering amounts of money we're talking about. $46 million a year for Deshaun Watson. And guess what? One of those $46 million seasons just basically went out the window. It basically just went out the window. And that's what I was trying to get at today uh, with David Njoku. And that was, I mean, did you guys, do you guys kind of in some ways owe an apology to Deshaun Watson for not minding the store while he was out for 11 games and not trying to, you know, to keep this thing going so that when he got back on December 4th, there would be everything in the world still to play for. And all he would have to do is come in here and maybe win four games, maybe win five games. And you're talking playoffs after that. And then anything can happen when you have him at quarterback and Miles and Jadavian and everybody else. Um, they didn't, they didn't do it. They, they just were not able to do it. And it in it's mind blowing to me that they have only won three games with the talent that they have on this football team. It's mind blowing. I mean, there's no way that they should have lost to some of these football teams. They should not be three and seven. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I will say, though, um, when it comes to Deshaun and handing him a contending team, it's kind of on Deshaun. Like, he hasn't been there for this team. Like, right. He, he got himself into trouble. He got himself suspended, and he hasn't been here for this team. So uh, he's right. sort of culpable in all of this, too, in, in that they, they yes. needed it. They could have used him from week one. And right. they, they haven't had him. But everybody knew that going in, right? Right. I mean, right. it wasn't like the Browns went out and signed this quarterback and gave him 200, I mean, you know, traded for this quarterback and gave up three first round picks and gave him $230 million. And then he went out and did horrible things. He did allegedly horrible things before they went out and got him. So they knew, they absolutely knew that he was going to be gone for a chunk of games. Now, they didn't think it was going to be 11 games, but even when it became 11 games, did they do enough? Did they do enough uh, to make sure that they could win the five or even six games that they would have needed to keep this thing rolling along? Did they do enough? And I just don't know if we have the answer to that. Yeah, I think there's going to be a really interesting discussion when we get to the end of this season with sort of, the effect that having Deshaun and kind of the waiting game with Deshaun and like, did, did the Browns misjudge the suspension too much? You know, we've talked about the training camp reps. We've talked about all, like, I, I think there's a lot to get into there. Um, and and mm-hmm. when we kind of get down and, and sort of dig through this season when it's over, whether it's two weeks from now or a month from now, um, I, I think there's a lot of discussion about the Browns maybe misjudging this season and, from the front office on down, just sort of misjudging what, what they would be capable of this season and, and sort of how they screwed it up. And it also hits home, like, if this doesn't work for some reason, if Deshaun's 
not Deshaun Watson again, or if like you have the wrong coach or like, like if for whatever reason, this just doesn't work. The plugging this quarterback in doesn't work over the next couple of years. It's, it's scary to think about. Yeah, it is scary to think about because you do have to have a lot of other pieces and parts in place in order to uh, in, in order to get to the Super Bowl and, and to excel and to succeed. I mean, we've seen really good defenses lately uh, helping out that effort to get to the Super Bowl. Uh, teams sort of figured out that they needed pass rushers. They needed to affect the the opposing quarterback as much as they needed to play really, really well from the quarterback position. And so teams have kind of figured that out. And, uh, you know, so they've got some holes to fill now. Now they've got some holes to fill. And as you mentioned, Nick Chubb, he's not getting any younger. Running backs do fall off a cliff. I mean, they start to fall off a cliff at a certain point. I don't think he's there yet, but, um, you know, it comes at you sort of fast from that position. So, you know, a couple more years and people are going to be starting to talk about, you know, him winding it down a little bit or being on the back nine of his career. So this was a year that they really couldn't afford not to make the playoffs this year. And we've said this before. You asked me, what would failure be this year? And to me, failure was not making the playoffs this year because they knew what they needed to do. I mean, they they let Baker Mayfield go. They, you know, they knew that they needed somehow, some way to make the playoffs in the prime of the career for Miles, Nick, Denzel, and all of these guys, Jack Conklin, Joel Batonio. They had a good enough team that they should have been able to get there. And defensively, the, de- the defense hasn't lived up to the hype by any stretch of the imagination. And, and that's really been a large part of the story. Yeah. And then you mentioned the money earlier when, you made Miles Garrett at one point was the highest paid edge rusher in football. Denzel Ward at one point was the highest paid cornerback in football. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deshaun Watson isn't the highest paid quarterback in football, but he still has the biggest guarantee ever. Um, mm-hmm. Like Kyler Murray got two thirty one, but it certainly wasn't fully guaranteed. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you Joel Batonio and White Teller the highest paid two of, two of the highest paid guards in football. Joel was the highest paid guard in football um, at when he signed that contract. You, you don't spend that money if you don't think you can make the playoffs and win the Super Bowl. But And, like, the other thing, Jacoby Brissett's been fine. He hasn't been great. <laughs> and I think sometimes the stats don't always match the eyeball test with Jacoby. But he certainly has done enough to I, – I, I thought yesterday for sure. I thought he did enough for you to win football games um, with without having – you know, an actual top five quarterback, even if sometimes his, sometimes his numbers are like top 10 caliber. Yes. And the, the whole key was that the, the running game, the offensive line, the defensive line, the defense could carry this football team until Deshaun Watson got back. And Jacoby Brissett just needed to kind of hold down the fort, not make mistakes. And, and I think he's given them everything that they possibly could have asked for and then some. I mean, he's he's made a ton of plays with his legs. Uh, he he's done enough. He he has done enough. But you can't keep losing the turnover battle week after week after week. You're just not going to win games like that. 
You're just not going to. Uh, and they have lost the turnover battle. They they are 0-6 in games in which they don't win the turnover battle. And that has a lot to do with it. And, you know, you're going to have an occasional interception. You're going to have an occasional fumble. But the fact that the defense just can't get any takeaways, I mean, that has been kind of weird, right? I mean, even four more than the eight that they have, which are – uh, tied for third fewest in the NFL, even four more takeaways over these first 10 games could have resulted in at least one more victory right now. And one more victory sometimes is all you need to keep it going. And here they are. Okay, let's get to the uh, the topic that is on everyone's mind. And of course, that is the defense and defensive coordinator, Joe Woods. Uh, so a question from Anise Barner in Toledo, Ohio. Hey, Mary Kay, who are some in-house people that the Browns could hire promote to be the new defensive coordinator if they did decide to fire Joe Woods? But I I actually want to, before we get to that, I just want to ask straight up, is there any chance that Joe Woods does not finish the season as the defensive coordinator? You know, I feel like at least right now as we speak, and we're taping this the day after they just lost to the Bills, 31 to 23, I feel like right now the plan is to keep him in his job for the rest of the season. There's seven games left. I don't think that they necessarily feel uh, that they need to go out and, and make a big change at defensive coordinator right now. Now, the only way I think that would change is if a parade of players go marching in, like really big name players go marching in and say, you know what? We need something new. We need a different voice. We need a different vibe. This isn't working. We don't feel this. We don't feel prepared, whatever. I mean, Miles holds a lot of sway, not not be all and end all kind of sway, but when he speaks, it makes a difference. So if he feels that way, Uh, You know, I suppose that could influence them. Now, I did point blank ask Denzel Ward today about Joe Woods and how he feels about him. And I felt it was genuine. And Dan, maybe you can give me your opinion on that. But when he went to bat for Joe Woods, uh, I, I thought that was genuine. I thought he really meant it when he said, we need to go out and execute. You know, it's not that the, you know... We all need to communicate and do better together, but to put this on all on Joe Woods and for him to be the fall guy, I don't think he should be on the hot seat. I, you know, I think we need to dig deep and do whatever we can to help him so that he doesn't lose his job. Did you think that was genuine from him? Yeah. At least as far as he didn't need to go, he didn't need to go that far. Right. Right. I mean, you can answer that question without, basically saying what he said you can exactly. be nice to your coordinator you can play it i mean you could play both sides so easily when you answer questions like that we see it all the time yeah um i feel like john johnson has, has sort of done that after a few games this year he sort of has played both sides um there, there's a way to do it without giving such a strong vote of confidence to the defensive coordinator and that's kind of interesting to keep an eye on because i'm sure there are like there's probably some guys in that locker room that think Joe Woods is fine and it's not his fault. And there's other guys on that defense that maybe think differently. And that's just something you got to keep an eye on. That's maybe if there's a, a little bit of a philosophical disagreement there between guys in the locker room as to who's responsible for this. Yeah, that is very true. 
And, you know, it's the information is is hard to come by. It's hard to to dig out the truth and figure out exactly what guys mean when they say sort of cryptic things like we heard after the game. When Grant Delpit talks about, you know, well, you know, we we have to trust each other. We have to trust that we know what we're doing. I mean, you can interpret that a bunch of different ways. It could be you know, we have to make sure that we're all studying the game plan thoroughly enough so that we're ready to go out there and execute and implement it, right? I mean, it could be that, or it could be, we are not prepared. Uh, When Miles talks about attention to detail, when JJ3, attention to D, I mean, are they talking about, we don't know what they're talking about. Uh, Some of it seems directed towards the coaching staff, but we can't necessarily make that assumption. Even yesterday when Miles was saying, um, you know, we don't place enough emphasis on takeaways in practice, you know, I followed up with him and I said, you know, like, basically, what are you, you know, what are you saying there? Are you, are you saying you guys, I said, I I watch, I watch training camp every single day and they spend a lot of time on takeaways. And he said um, that they have goals, takeaway goals, and they're not reaching their takeaway goals in practice. Um, so to me, that's more of a player thing. That doesn't sound like, oh, Kevin Stefanski and Joe Woods are forgetting to practice takeaways. That sounds like we have our goals set high and we're not reaching them. And then it's not translating onto the field. So there's so much going on right now. Uh, it, it's hard to know exactly what everybody is meaning by what they're saying. But, you know, I do think that there's probably a pretty good chance that Joe's going to take the fall for a lot of this. So the question is, um, just to go back to the question, if the Browns did, for whatever reason, get to a point where they had to make an end-season move, who, who do you think is the in-house person they would maybe look to take over on that interim basis? Well, I think there are a couple of guys that, that you could look at that could do that. Uh, Jason Tarver is one, the linebackers coach. He has experience um, at, at doing so. And then another one that, that I would consider would be Chris Kiffin. I don't know. There's something about Chris Kiffin uh, in my mind. I think he has coordinator aptitude and qualities about him. So I think they do have guys on the staff. I don't think this is a situation where the whole staff would get wiped out. I, don't, I think it's just too late in the season for that if they did decide to do something during the season, which, again, uh, I think it would take – a bunch of those guys, big, big name guys saying this is not working for us. Um, but I think there are, are some guys on the staff. And I think that that those are probably the two names that jump out to me the most. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think of who I mean, maybe a guy like Ben Bloom. He's been around forever. Mm-hmm. He was right. with the Browns back in the Mangini years. That's how, he, how long he's been around. So yeah. Um, yeah, maybe that's a guy. But yeah, I, I think those are, those are probably the two names. Um, that you would think would be at the top of the list. Before we take a break, I want to get to this question because it actually pertains to what we talked about regarding the first question. This comes from DJ in Colorado Springs, and I think he's framing this in kind of the the light of the 11-game suspension for Deshaun Watson. Hey, Mary Kay, do you think it was the front office's plan all along to compete next year instead of this year? Although the Browns don't have first-round picks for the next few years, they do have a nice core to build around and they have some later round picks. So in other words, did they almost acknowledge in some ways that it was going to be tough to compete this year without Deshaun? 
I think so. I think once the suspension went to 11 games, they knew that it was going to be really hard uh, to win the division and make the playoffs just because of the strength of the division. I mean, you're obviously going against Lamar Jackson and a, a really good Ravens team. You're going against a team in the Bengals and Joe Burrow that went to the Super Bowl last year. So I think that, of course, they would have had to have given some serious thought to the fact that maybe this isn't going to be the year. But I still think it could have been. I think it could have been the year. And I think that, you know, some games just got away from them. And I think that they are going to look back on some of those games, like the Jets. They should have beat the Jets. They should have beat the Falcons. Uh, there are other games that that they kind of gave away. Um, and, and I think that they will have some regrets that that they weren't able to hand over a contender to Deshaun and see what he could do. Now, the other thing, the X factor here is nobody really knows how long it's going to take for Deshaun to get up to speed. Nobody knows how long it's going to take for him to knock off the rust and be the player uh, that all of us last saw in 2020 when he led the NFL in passing yards. So, you know, we just don't know. I still think it takes a long time, not a long time necessarily, but it does take time for a play caller and a quarterback to get to know each other a little bit to figure out the nuances and what do you like here and how do you, what do you like in the red zone and the end zone and all those kind of things? What do you like on third down? I think that, I think they're going to have to learn each other a little bit. Now, fortunately for him, he's starting off against a, a bad football team. It's going to be a lot of emotions going back to Houston in his first game, but the Browns, they should win that game and he should be able to beat his former team. But, you know, then it gets more difficult, you know, playing, playing on the road, playing in cold weather, playing against, again, the Ravens, playing against the Bengals. So, yeah, nothing nothing is guaranteed for when he comes back. Yeah, I mean, they, they can go to Houston and let Nick Chubb carry the ball a bunch and put Deshaun in a spot where he's got to make, like, you know, five really good throws, and then everybody mm-hmm. feels really good about it, and he's able to kind of ease his way back. But you're right. Then, then you got to go to Cincinnati. They're they're fighting for a division title. Mm-hmm. Uh, Balt- they have to host Baltimore, who I don't know what to make of Baltimore. That was such a weird game against the Panthers, but they're winning. Um, and even like a team like the Commanders, all of a sudden, are like a competent football team. So mm-hmm. there's some... There's some sneaky tough games in there, but um, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see sort of what Deshaun looks like and how they sort of try to ease him in, uh, especially with that Houston game uh, coming up 13 days. We're recording this on Monday. It's 13 days away, which is pretty crazy to think about. Uh, we're going to take a break. And then on the other side, we've got some more questions from our, uh, from our texters for the Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. And welcome back to the Orange or Brown Talk podcast, the Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange or Brown Talk podcast. Uh, let's go to John from Fort Pierce, Florida. Hey Mary Kay, it seems as though as soon as the Browns make a mistake or the opposing team goes up by one score or more, they play with a, quote, defeated attitude. Can this trend be reversed without making coaching changes? Uh, yeah, I think it can. I think it can. There's been a pattern uh, that I, I feel like seems to happen a lot. And, and that is they they seem to falter at the end of the first half all the time. I mean, I'd have to go back and really look at every single one of the the play the game books uh, and figure it out. But it, it seems like so often they're giving up that late touchdown at the end of the first half. And then a number of times, then they give up the double dip and, and they come back and they give up another score 
in the uh, on the on the opponent's first drive of the third quarter, and all of a sudden the game is sort of out of hand, and um, and so I think that's something that they really really have to look at. When I look at yesterday's game, Dan, everybody keeps talking about the defense, the defense, the defense. You know what? There was a lot of mess going on on that offense in the first half of that game. And if you convert some of those opportunities and you're not fumbling the ball and you're not dropping back-to-back passes in the end zone and you're not getting stopped on third and one and fourth and one, if you're not doing some of those things, then you're up at halftime and you can play a different football game. It's a completely different game if you've got Josh Allen on his heels And you can pin your ears back a little bit and go after him more because he wasn't good yesterday. I mean, he was struggling. I think his elbow's really bothering him. And, you know, so I pin, you know, a decent amount, a decent chunk of that loss yesterday on the offense, on missed opportunities by the offense in the first half of the game. Uh, And they weren't able to run the ball either. So, you know, it does start to catch up with you a little bit when you're, uh, when your Pro Bowl right guard is struggling to come back from a calf injury and you lose your starting center, uh, you know, teams have been taking advantage of them a little bit up front lately. Yeah, that's sort of lost in, in yesterday's game, just how how often they hurt themselves in the first yes. half yesterday. Two drops, uh, one by Farrell Brown, one by Harrison Bryant. That would have been touchdowns uh, mm-hmm. on the one drive in the red zone. They have to settle for a field goal. You mentioned the fumbled snap. Um, there was the, you know, the, the third and the two sneaks back to back that they were unable to convert. And it just, when I watched that Bills team for the first, probably, I mean, going all the way, I mean, they didn't get a first down till eight minutes left in the second quarter. When I watched that team, that looked like a team that was dealing with a giant snowstorm, mm-hmm. figuring out how to get to Detroit, didn't practice on Friday. Like that, that's what they looked like. And they, they woke up eventually and just sort of looked like the Buffalo Bills. Although even, you know, they were settling for a lot of field goals in the second half. But mm-hmm. you could tell they were just sort of toying with the Browns in the second half. But in the first half, they were sleepwalking. They were not they were not in Detroit, and the Browns were unable to take advantage. No, they looked like a team that had to have friends and neighbors dig them out from underneath six feet of snow to make it to the airport to come to Detroit. That's how they started that game. I said they had to thaw out. I mean, they were like frozen for the first part of that game. And they just were completely ineffective. But the defense had something to do with that, too. I see good signs of, of some things going on on this defense. I see guys like Martin Emerson that, you know, that are making plays. Miles Garrett was starting to make some plays. JOK came back and was making plays yesterday. So I think there are some good, really good things. Uh, but they have to play complementary football. You can't be bl- getting field goals blocked, giving up long returns. I mean, special teams are horrible. That's another thing that goes overlooked. I mean, the, the special teams are not helping with field position, and they're, they're just not helping this team to win games. They have been, most of the time, a liability. There were short punts yesterday. There were big returns. There was another onside kick not recovered. Um, There was a blocked field goal. I mean, what? I mean, you just can't have it. 
you just cannot have this. Everyone wants to talk about Joe Woods getting fired. I think both of those units are going to be under intense scrutiny after the season. I really, I really think that they will be. How could they not be? So, I mean, if, if your kicker, your rookie kicker has three blocked field goals, teams are seeing something on film there. Okay. It was a low kick. It was low trajectory on the kick. Well, then he's got to go to the foot doctor and figure it out. I mean, you, you can't be getting kicks blocked and losing games because of that. So that, that, go right? ahead. No, yeah, you I, was ju- I was just going to say that was a brutal day for special teams and it wasn't the first. Yeah. <laughs> it was a brutal yeah. day for special teams. It was a brutal day. So, you know, these are things that the Browns did not expect when they went into these 11 games without, without Deshaun Watson, they thought they were going to have their excellent running game. And for the most part, they have had that. They thought they were going to have decent quarterback play and they have that had had that even better than they expected. Probably they thought they were going to have a really good defense. They haven't had that. And they thought they were going to have much better special teams and they haven't had that. So it just has all been a recipe for three and seven. Yeah. The special teams discussion is is one that they have to have. That's that's another difficult discussion they're going to have to have this off season. Um, I, I do think to the texter's point, this team has felt a little bit uh, front runner ish, where they look really really good when things are going well. You know, like Cincinnati, right? It was sort of a slog early, but then they get going, and it's just like they they ride that wave of momentum. But then it does feel like something goes wrong, they fall behind, whatever it is, and they just it feels like such an uphill battle when they get in those situations. Yeah. And they're not making the adjustments, right? I mean, when you get up on a team, then you have to put the pedal to the metal and you have to keep going. And, you know, it looked like it was going okay for, for much of the first half, but um, you know, then there was that sequence at the end there where one thing after another went wrong and they kind of crumbled. And then, and when they crumbled, they didn't come back out of, of the locker room. Of course, you know, the, the bills deferred and they were getting the ball and they ended up scoring a field goal on their first possession of the third quarter um, to go up 16 to 10 at that point. But I mean, the Browns just, they let it get away from them. They let it get away from them and they couldn't pull it back. I mean, they just, they couldn't do it. It was one mistake after another. And this is a, football team that needs to play clean football. They can't be turning the ball over. Now that's hard when you lose your starting center on the second play of the game, first or second play of the game, and you're down to really your third string center uh, who doesn't have any experience snapping the ball in a game. It's amazing uh, that they didn't have more issues with the, with the snap exchange, right? I mean, it's, it's amazing that they didn't, but I still think it was a factor in the third and one and the fourth and one. Right. I mean, I think it was. Um, And, you know, it's just they they do seem to somehow get the uh oh, here we here we go again kind of vibe going on. Right. Instead of taking the bull by the horns and somebody shaking them out of that and uh, and making the plays that they need to make. I mean, I still think they're trying hard. I think everybody out there yesterday was playing really hard all the way to the end. But I think there are just deficiencies in in the run defense personnel-wise. And um, 
and just other issues, as we've mentioned on special teams. And they, they, they just can't make all these mistakes and overcome them. Okay. Ty from Montreal. Hey, Mary Kay, at this point, what would be the off season changes you would recommend to Andrew Barry? That's a really good question. That is a really, really good question. What they have to do as an organization, they have to take a good look at, at the defense and they have to ask themselves, did we give Joe Woods enough to work with? Right. Um, you know, they need, they need to find that out. I mean, would Joe Woods look like a much better defensive coordinator if they had two really good tackles and one more really good linebacker? I think there have been so many problems on this defense that I think he is taking more heat than he needs to. I know that there are some adjustment issues that we, that we can see and that we also hear about, including like in Miami with motions and things like that. Uh, so there are issues that way, but I think he doesn't have everything that he needs to run a, a sound defense and to stop the run. Um, so you got to look at all that. And if you think it's schematic or adjustments, then, then you got to make a change from a special teams, special teams standpoint, you know, they lost their returner at the beginning, Jakeem Grant. Um, but, there have just been too many times when we're sitting there asking about what went wrong on special teams. They have got to take a good, long, hard look at that as well. So I, that's what I would scrutinize those two positions. Then I would use these last six games to determine if Kevin Stefanski is the absolute 100% right play caller for Deshaun Watson and if see how that's going to go over the, over the next six games. And if they need to take a look at that and reevaluate it, then they should do that. Um, and again, from a personnel standpoint, I think they need to upgrade the receiving core with at least one more Pro Bowl caliber receiver. I think they need to work on those defensive tackles. I think they need a defensive end. I think they're going to need to replenish some of the offensive line, possibly right tackle, depending on what happens with Jack Conklin in the last year of his contract. Um, so those are some of the personnel areas. I, yeah, I mean, I, I just think across the board, it has to be evaluating every little thing and saying, is this good enough to go win the Super Bowl next year? Because, mm -hmm. you know, we talked about all the money they've spent. And then, of course, the quarterback. You didn't do mm -hmm. that to go 10 and 7 and lose in the divisional round. <laughs> you did it to win the Super Bowl. And, you know, there's there's no waiting to find out now. This is a year where maybe kind of to that one texter's question earlier. This was a year when Deshaun got suspended for 11 games where they were kind of able to say, okay, we can see what we have in some spots. And I, I don't necessarily agree complete with, completely with that philosophy, but at least they were able to get away with it, even if this season doesn't go the way they wanted to. And now you kind of know, like at receiver, Amari Cooper's really good. And Donovan Peoples-Jones seems like he's a guy. After that, you, you probably got to do some work. Your defensive tackles, they weren't good enough. So you got to do some work there. You know, you, and and then of course the coaching staff, you've got to really dig into it and make sure you have every little piece is right. And mm -hmm. if you're not a hundred percent sure, you should at least have a backup plan in place. Yes, absolutely. And you know, I think at this point, the only question about some of those, uh, you know, decisions is: do they wait and make them after they season, or do they make some changes in season? And as of right now, it seems like they're not prepared or willing to make them in season 
we will see. Okay, here is a question, a personnel question um, on the field. Brian from Minnesota is wondering about the offensive tackles. Uh, He says, hey, Mary Kay, as I've texted you many times, I'm very concerned about offensive tackle today and in the future. Jack Conklin is struggling to stay healthy. He's also in the last year of his contract. Uh, Jed Wills has been a little up and down, and the Browns have to make a decision on his fifth-year option. So he's asking what you're hearing about the fifth-year option, but I'm also going to add, sort of how do you feel about the outlook of the tackle position with with this team beyond this season? Well, they have to really take a a long, hard look at it. Uh, As as you guys have have mentioned, it's coming up on on the fifth-year option, and you know they found out with with Baker Mayfield that you get locked into that money right away and it's big money. You know that's a lot of money and that's a big commitment. And in some cases it might just be easier to not pick up the 5th year option, let it put, let the contract play out and then franchise the player if you need to after that if you can't agree on an extension. So you know I don't know what their strategy is going to be with the fifth year option. They're going to have to really take a long, hard look at it. Now him being their number 10 overall pick and Andrew Barry's first, first round pick in this um, era, you know, they're not going to want to give up on him. They're going to want to invest more time and resources and money and coaching in him to make sure that he can be the best he can absolutely be. So I do think that, um, you know, that they're still committed to him as their left tackle. And they're just going to have to figure out the the contract and the money and how that's all going to go. As far as Jack Conklin, um, you know, Jack, once again, is getting up there a little bit, a little bit. You know, he's had some injuries again this year. He's dealing with a little bit of a foot injury. It's not anything super serious right now. He should be OK. Um, but, you know, that's something that they're going to have to take a look at. I mean, Jack is really good. I mean, he's a two time first team all pro. He's a really, really good player. And if they feel like he can stay healthy for next year, then, you know, then I think it would be worth trying to do another incentive-laden contract with him. So I would definitely lean towards that because it's hard to find that guy. I mean, it's hard to find a good right tackle. So if if they feel that he's, you know, got plenty left in the tank, I would go ahead and re-sign him. Yeah, I I agree on Conklin. You got to come up with a way to keep him. I I think he's that talented. I mean, two years ago, we were trying to decide whether he, it was him or Joel Batonio, who was this team's best offensive lineman uh, right. after 2020. I mean, he's he's that good and he's that talented when he's on the field. Um, and he's, he's had a little bit of an injury history in his career, but he usually he usually bounces back just fine. So I, I think, you know, why, why create a hole where you, right. you don't need to, especially if you're not 100% sold on Jed Wills? Right. And, and Jack also is just one of those kind of guys that, I mean, he will play hurt. He's a team guy. He's a leader. He's just so good uh, in the locker room. You know, he's one of those guys that he brings so much to the table in so many other ways that, uh, you know, that it's definitely worth doing whatever you can to keep him around. Okay, there we go. Our uh, Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast here on a Tuesday. Those questions came from our Football Insider subscribers. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. You get a newsletter every single day. You get access to exclu- exclusive stories on Cleveland.com slash Browns. And you can become one of our text subscribers, which is where all of those questions came from. Uh, again, that's Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. And of course, this podcast, five days a week, subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave us good reviews. Say nice things about us on Apple. 
I like to read them. Every now and again, I wade into the reviews and I like to see good things written about uh, everyone on this podcast. So uh, leave us some, some nice reviews here on a holiday week, right? Give us good feelings, right, Mary Kay? It's a holiday week. Absolutely. We're grateful and thankful for this pod and everything we have. Absolutely. Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. For Mary Kay, I'm Dan. Mary Kay, I'll talk to you later. Sounds great.